Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to the Financial Flex podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and happy Tuesday. Um, I hope everyone's week is going well. This week was my first week back at work. Um, my company gave us like a summer break last week, so I was off for an entire week last week and decided to take advantage of it and go to West Palm Beach, um, Florida literally had the best time. It was my first time um, going somewhere by myself where I didn't know a single soul. And it was the most, okay, I'm talking like I freaking went to Indonesia, like literally went to the next state over. But it was just such a time. And I really learned a lot about myself, like just how independent you know I am I had to rent a car by myself while I was there and um, the agent or whatever was you know asking me about all these add-on options and I was questioning him and I was really you know standing firm because I'm like I'm by myself like I don't want someone to take advantage of me so that was really nice Um, went to dinner lunch by myself the entire time I was there that was oh my goodness, eating by yourself is so underrated. Like you show up to the pl- the restaurant, you know, you grab yourself a little drink, a little appetizer, you know, order whatever you want and just chill. Like it's a vibe. Like you don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> it is so nice and something I definitely want to implement moving forward. But another thing on my trip was I actually had time to just sit back and think and reflect. I literally had nothing but time those three or four days I was in Florida. Um, And it was really nice to just kind of reflect back on, you know, where I was a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago versus where I am now and just be like, oh, wow, like, you know, everything ended up being okay. So even though you're going through a tough season right now, um, in the end, it'll once again be okay. So that was, um, so that was like a nice, a nice reminder. And I highly encourage anyone thinking about taking a trip by themselves, like literally do it. I wanted to do, I, I considered going like internationally, like going to like Mexico or some country in like South America, but I was like, let me reel it in, relax. <laughs> Let me start by traveling domestic first by myself and get a feel for that before I, you know, go jumping off the porch and, and into other countries. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to con- uh, continue to do this and make this part of my um, routine, I guess you could say. Like, I don't know how often I would do it. I'd love to do it like once every three months, maybe once every two months, given the fact that I'm able to work remote. Um, It doesn't really matter where I am as long as I have like my laptop. So I really want to kind of just like incorporate that into my life now because I just really enjoyed it. And it was just so nice. I think one thing that's very, that's missing when you live with other people is just like that privacy and the ability to just kind of not talk (laughs) and just be by yourself that's not really the case when you live with other people I feel like so it was just really nice so before we get into today's episode I do just want to say uh last week I was on the she tales podcast um I will link the episode in the show notes below um so check it out if you haven't yet I had the best time on there uh just discussing my journey and you know giving 
tips, encouragement to those who are wanting to start on their own financial journey. Um, So that was a ton of fun. Another thing too that I want to mention, so on my Instagram, the Financial Flex podcast, I posted like a little carousel um, post on Instagram about public student loan forgiveness. If you are someone that qualifies for that, I definitely would consider checking that out, making sure that you're enrolled in the program uh, because I personally know of two people who were able to get their student loans forgiven. Granted, they are they are like a bit older than I am. However, I mean, if you have the opportunity to start getting your loans forgiven, why not do so? So I um, have information about that on my Instagram and I also have uh, information from the Department of Education um, in my like linked in my bio so if you want to read more about that definitely do so and if you have any questions call your student loan people call the department of education like that is literally what they're there for is to help you and i feel like a lot of people let you know potential good opportunities regarding their loans like go by because they have no idea and they don't really do this the research so i am begging you guys to do the research. Um, let's see what else. I think that's all the important information. Oh, no, apparently July 28th, we will know for sure if we are in a recession. There's some sort of GDP report that's coming out. And if we've been negative uh, for the last two quarters, then, you know, that shows like, hey, we're in a recession. So I made a video on TikTok about three things that you need to do in order to prepare. So definitely check that out as well. Um Okay, I think that's it. As always, the uh, thoughts, opinions, anything expressed on this podcast are solely my own and not representative of my employer. Um, Once again, I am not a financial expert, a certified financial planner, a banker, whatever. (laughs) Like, I'm just someone who really enjoys money and talking about it with other people. So, uh, that is all. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave a five-star rating or a review, maybe even both if you're feeling ever so generous. Um, All right, let's get into today's episode. So on today's episode, we have Happiness and Wozuzu. I follow her on Instagram. She also has a Instagram account dedicated to personal finance and kind of documents like her journey. So that's how we connected. But it's funny because she actually knows my sister Shannon. They went to school together and they're both nurses. So it's just funny how small the world is sometimes. Um, but yeah, Happiness recently purchased her first home. And I know you're thinking like, okay but happiness is only 24 and so I just thought that that was so inspiring I remember seeing her post and being like oh my goodness this is just like the motivation I needed because she was so transparent about how she was able to purchase her home um and as you guys may or may not know, John and I are just like in this pending process of the home buying journey and I say pending because we've tried now twice to purchase a house and both times we've just been like, okay, we need to hit pause and reassess. Um, and so it's just been such a discouraging journey, especially when you're ready to go. It's like time's up, like time's ticking. We got to go. I hate to be the kind of person that's like, oh, well, I want to do this before I'm 30. But the fact that like my 30th birthday is 
approaching. I mean, I have two more years, but still, I'm like, I need my own house. So (laughs) seeing that happiness was able to purchase her own house at such a young age, I say this in the podcast episode, but 24-year-old Alex is quaking. Like, that is so crazy. So on today's episode, we discuss her relationship with money, like what it was like when she was younger, how she was able to... um, save up for a down payment to purchase a home and like all the things that they don't really tell you about home ownership. Um, this conversation was so much fun to have and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, my name is Happiness. Um, I live in Metro Atlanta, I guess. I am a registered nurse and I don't know what else to say. I guess I'm here to kind of just share my experience of buying a house in this crazy housing market time. So I'm just excited to be here and to give information and, um, of course, do this with you, of course. Love it. And how old are you, by the way? Because I think like your age is like a super important part of you, of like this whole home buying journey. Mm-hmm. I'm 24 years old. I just turned 24 in May. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Goals. I wish 24, 24 year old Alex is literally quaking. Like what? That's possible. <laughs> okay. So before we jump into like the hard hitting questions, I have an icebreaker question for you. So if you could have anybody's closet, whose closet would you want and why? Um, honestly, I will have Janelle Monet's closet. I don't know if you know Janelle Monet when she's the word of black and white and the swirl on her head but I don't know something about her fashion is simple but still like a lot of statement pieces she have and I like to wear black and white as you can see um but I think she's someone like when I think of fashion I kind of just think of her of anything of anyone famous but yeah I'll have I'll definitely have her closet and wear everything in it too (laughs) that's a really good answer I feel like she's very underrated when it comes to her style um and she's a neutral queen which I we both love because yeah my my entire closet's literally like black white some form of like off-white like I just (laughs) color is just not my thing pops of it but Mm -hmm. that's it so obviously I was really like impressed and interested in hearing about your story uh, to purchasing a home so young. Um, Right now, that's something I'm trying to do. And I'm, you know, 28. So I'm not like to crap it or anything. But I still feel like being able to purchase a home at 23, 24 is such a big accomplishment. And when I saw you post about it on Instagram, I was like, that gave me motivation. And I was like, I definitely want to speak with you more about that. But before we dive in, um, let's take it back to the beginning. So growing up, like, how did you view money? And how was it talked about in your household? So I think money in my household was a pretty open conversation. Um, I'm Nigerian. So you know, money, like, you know, it's a, it, we want money. We like money. We love money. But I think my mom particularly did a good job in like teaching us like the value of money and how it works from like a very young age. She used to have um, me and my siblings will pay the, play the game of life, the board game. Um, and we'll play like, I don't know, a little monopoly, like things like that. And kind of learn about um, different type of currencies. We'll learn about like saving and spending and debt. So it was a pretty open conversation um, in my household. So I kind of viewed money as like something that I need to have to get the things I need. Um, 
I don't think I viewed it so much as um, something to kind of make me happier. It's just to say, because like, I remember growing up as a kid, I'm like, oh, why do we have to pay bills <laughs> and things like that? It's just kind of, it was something like, oh, you know, mommy and daddy use this to pay for the, the things we need. Um, and pretty much just like a resource, but it was always like open conversation. Like my mom and my dad too, would just, we'll talk about money. We'll talk about things. We have questions, they'll answer it. They're open about their finances. So it wasn't um, a foreign topic to me, at least at a young age. That's amazing. So I'm Nigerian as well. And I feel like there's literally two types. There's like the ones that are so open about money and they pass that knowledge on to their kids. And then there's the other ones that <laughs> don't, yeah, they don't pass along like money tips, but they'll definitely tell you to save and to like take care of your money, but that's it. There's no, like there's exactly <laughs> nothing else. So I love that your parents took the time to teach you about money. And I think that's really creative kind of using games like life and monopoly to teach about like the value and importance of money. So that's really awesome. Yeah. So how did your habits with money change as you entered adulthood and started to make your own money? So I, I personally think that my habits change. I mean, obviously now I have more expenses, so I had to be comfortable with like seeing money leave my account and not feeling stressed about it because I feel like as a college student, even like even at high school, when parents give me a little allowances, I was just so like, I just hold on to money. I'm like, I don't want to spend it. I just like seeing it right there. I like when it grows and college, I was frugal. I didn't eat out. I didn't, like, I didn't do anything <laughs> until like my last year, like any little money I'm spending, it better be towards what I'm using. So I was very, I won't even say frugal. I just hold on. I just like to see it there. So obviously as you know, you get older, I have more expenses and things like that. I had to just, you know, be more comfortable. It's like, okay, like it's okay to spend your money. It's okay to make your money, but it's okay to, to spend it on the things you need and the things you want sometimes. So I think that's one thing that kind of changed into adulthood. And obviously now I got no choice but to spend money on a mortgage and bills. And it's like, it's going to go. But as long as, you know, it's there to get those things taken care of, it's just, it shouldn't be something that's stressful. So. Right. Um, do you think that do you have like any regrets maybe for being so like, you know, tight with your money back in college? Like maybe were there trips or events that like your friends invited you to, but because you didn't want to spend the money, you said no. But in hindsight, you're like, oh my gosh, like I could have, I could have gone. I feel like I don't have any regrets particularly, but I wish I was a little bit more lenient on myself at the time. I think I was pretty mature to know how to spend my money. Um, and I wish I kind of gave myself that like leeway. Um, like at that point, I, I at least knew like, okay, let me save this before I spend this money or, okay, you have your books to pay for this week before you go to this party. Um, so I knew how to prioritize, um, pretty young and kind of just goes back to the way money was taught in my household. So I kind of wish I gave myself that leeway at times to just, you know, have a little bit of, um, fun, you know, if the money was there. Yeah, that makes sense. But you're also 24 with the house. So <laughs> that's why I said no regrets. <laughs> exactly. And then another question came to mind with your profession. So you stated earlier that you're an RN. Yes. Um, I think your career path is one where 
you're able to like, the more you work, the more money you make, just because it's like, that's how it correlates. Like you're not capped at like a salary. And at least that's the way my sister explains it to me because she's also a nurse. So how do you avoid falling into kind of like that hamster wheel of if I, you know, work X amount of hours, I'll make this amount of money and basically just like continue to work because like, you know, your earning potential is, you know, somewhat, I mean, it's somewhat capped because you guys can't work like, you know, a million hours a week, but you know, you do have more earning potential than someone who's maybe just stuck at like a nine to five, 40 hour a week salary job. Yeah. So that's a great question that, cause I feel like I fell into that hamster wheel many times, especially when I first started, um, you know, working as a nurse and, you know, they always tell us in school, oh, get that nurse money. Like you could do this, all this overtime. Oh, come in for this shift. We're giving you extra 500, we're giving you. So it's easy to fall into nursing. Um, but I think over time, I just um, had to really kind of limit myself or at least say, okay, is there something financial, financially big? Are you doing it the next month? Do you have to work towards that? Okay, fine. Um, are you doing something, a project this month? No. Okay. You can scale back and just work your regular hours. So you don't burn out. Um, it's just a matter of discipline because, you know, people, like I said, are motivated by money. Money, it's more than just a resource. It makes them happy. It seeing it grow and everything, but you really do have to take into account of what you have to do to get that money, especially as a nurse is backbreaking work to work on that overtime. So I know particularly when I wanted to pay my student loans off by a certain amount of time, I was, you know, working a lot. I was working at least five to six shifts a week. Um, and then after I got that goal done, I just scaled back and I'll just work three to four times because there's no reason for me to just, you know, do that and have time to rest and everything. Right. That definitely makes sense. Um, so wait, hold on, rewind. I didn't realize that you paid off your student loans as well. Like, how much did you pay off if you are comfortable sharing? Yeah, so my total loans were about 12000 12, rounded up. Um, and I will say that only because I moved back home the last two years of college. Um, so I only take it a loan for the first two years, which is why I was kind of just at that low amount. And I think the last two years I was able to get through with Hope Scholarship and some other scholarships on top. Um, so that's why. So when I finished school, I immediately started paying off my loan. I was doing $500 a month payment. I was still living with my parents. They weren't charging me anything. I didn't pay. There was nothing I was paying for. So I said I can afford to at least come up with that every month. And then I paid it off within a year, actually, about a year. Wow. And now that you're on the other side of debt, do you, I'm, I'm sure I know the answer to this question, but like, are you glad you did it? I'm very glad I did it because um, having a house comes with a whole plethora of expenses. Um, but it's nice to know that, oh, I don't have a student loan and a mortgage to pay, or I don't have a car loan and a mortgage to pay. It's just like, I just have mortgage bills and that's pretty much it. Yeah, that makes sense. So this is like a perfect segue into my next question. Um, can you walk us through the steps you took to becoming a homeowner? Like, when did you first have the idea or inkling like, hmm, I want to be a homeowner? Like what decision led you or what situation led you to making that decision? And then like what steps after that did you take to, you know, see it through to completion? Okay. 
I'm going to break this down to like kind of three parts because my thinking change over the process. Um, but I guess after I graduated school or at least before I graduated, I thought like, oh, when I graduate, I'm going to move out. Um, but obviously getting closer to graduation and finding a job, I thought that was a little bit more impractical. And it was becoming more common for, you know, kids to live at home with their parents post-college. And so I didn't feel ashamed to do that. I was like, I would just live at home. My parents are not bothering me. I would just, you know, work my, my business and, you know, save up. So I kind of canceled that idea of moving out. Um, after getting closer to that year of working, um, I initially, I never even thought about buying a house. That wasn't in my plan. It was in a five-year plan. I would say that. I definitely said, oh, I wanted to buy a house before 30, but it definitely wasn't in like the time I wanted to do it so quickly. Um, but at the time when I thought about renting and the housing market, and this is around 2021 in the beginning, um, renting an apartment didn't seem financially, um, it didn't financially make sense to me only because I said I want to buy a house within this amount of years. So I said, if I'm renting, I'm just throwing away money, really. And it didn't make sense to me. So that's when I'm thinking of, well, why don't I get a house kind of came up. And the idea was kind of foreign to me. But I think at the time I had um, two other friends who were around, well, they're probably older. I was probably 21. So they were 23, 24, and they just bought houses. And I kind of looked up to that. I was like, wow, like, that's amazing. You know, people buying houses like in their twenties. So I was, that kind of motivated me to kind of shift my thinking to, I can do that. I can own this, have it to myself. Um, so that was kind of like the process towards thinking, oh, I want to buy a house. This is something I can do. And it's more of an investment for me. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So what to you was the hardest part of the entire home buying journey? Oh man, I would say just searching for a house. And I only say that because of the market. If it wasn't because of the market, I don't think it would have been the hardest, but it was just, you know, obviously the housing market is crazy and competitive. So it was like, you find a house you want, but you get outbidded. Um, and getting outbidded is just one part of the problem. Sometimes the house you want, they don't accept the loan that you're approved for, or they want you to close by next week and give this much of a down payment that you don't have. And it was just so many stipulations to getting what you want. And I think that was the hardest part. I searched for a little, about a year, I would say a year. I started in June, 2021 and I didn't get a offer. I got my offer accepted in April, the end of April. Oh, wow. That's a really long time. That's yeah. A, basically a year. Yeah. Um, so I have two questions for you. One, like, how did you decide how much to save up for your down payment? Was Were you like, I'm just going to put down the least amount as possible, which is around 3%? Or did you um, did you save up to like 20% or 10%? So I, I'll be honest, I didn't really have a percentage in my head that I want to save. However, I did have a number that I wanted in my savings before I decided to move along with the process of buying a house. Um, so that number that I had in June, 2021, wasn't really where I wanted to be. It wasn't to maybe the end of 2021. I was like, okay, I can, I can work with this number. And I was more thinking on the lines that I didn't want to pay a down payment and then be broke after and I can't get a bed and a couch in a house. 
So I said that I want to save enough to at least have that 3%, of course, and over that um, for other expenses in between. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And that that's something that um, my husband and I, John, we kind of realized because going through the process, like we've started and stopped this home buying journey about like two or three times now in the last like six months, because every time we're like, oh, we're ready. And then we go through the process and we're like, oh, wait, we're not ready. And so this most recent time, I was like, wait, all of our money is going to be depleted doing like the down payment and closing costs and we won't have anything saved up for emergencies. And as we all know, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. And like you said earlier with the house, there's so um, there's so much many things that come with it. So yeah, I think that's a really smart move that you made to kind of make sure that not only did you have like your down payment closing costs, you know, money set aside, but you also added like savings on top of that. I think that's something that a lot of people don't really, or at least I haven't heard of, like, I only hear, oh yeah, like we've saved this much for like the down payment and closing costs and that's it. But what about your savings? Right. And I would even add that apart from down payment and closing costs, there's so many like fees that I didn't even know. Like there's your earnest money that they just ask you, you know, out of nowhere. Okay. We put an offer earnest money and earnest money now is like two to $3,000. And you know, you have to have, you have to be quick with throwing up these high four figure numbers. And then let's say you get to offer for a house. Now you have to pay an inspector mm-hmm. An inspector can run into hundreds of dollars. And let's say there's repairs you have to do and there's fees in between. It's just so many little costs that I guess people don't really, maybe they forget, maybe they just, you know, don't mention it, but there's so many little things that you have to have way more over your down payment and closing costs. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And what kept you motivated? Because I feel like searching for a house for almost a year would be kind of discouraging for me being like, oh my goodness, I have, I'm I'm ready, but it's just not happening. So how did you stay motivated? Um, I definitely have stops in in my journey too. So it was a year process overall, but there are definitely times I I wasn't looking. Um, I think what kept me motivated was, obviously just having that goal in my head, I would just say every day, you know what, I want to have this house by this time. Um, It definitely took me a while to work up to the motivation. I don't think I was as motivated when I started as I was um, going down the line towards closer to when I got my offer. Um, I think I would even say this year was when I was really more motivated. I was like, okay, I want to wrap this up before my birthday. (laughs) That was my goal, um, honestly. So when I got serious and I um, started working my realtor. I was like, okay, find me houses. I would accept this loan and kind of just weed out all the ones I'm looking at that have makes no sense because I know I'm not going to get it. So I can really just narrow down what's for me and what I could choose from that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so when it comes to millennials or gen, well, you're Gen Z, so I'll, I'll stick with Gen Z. So when it comes to Gen Z, what's one thing that you think you guys have wrong when it comes to money and what's one thing that you got what's one thing you think that you guys have right when it comes to money um I would start with one thing we have right when it comes to money I think that at least in our generation at least from what I'm seeing we we know how to make money compared to our parents generations we we know how to make money in very creative ways 
Um, anything we put our mind to, I see a lot of people, they do it. And then when they put effort six months a year, they're making income off of it, which is pretty impressive, especially with the technology we have, the resources we have, um, the people we can reach out to who will support us in um, any venture we want to do. We definitely know how to make an income out of anything. Um, but one thing I would say is the wrong thing we kind of have of money, uh, especially in our generation is that we kind of expect fast money. We're not the most patient with our money. So um, you could just kind of tell with like things like, not saying they're bad, but things like crypto or day trading or things like that, people kind of- Forex. Yeah, <laughs> Forex, like make, make five figures in a day and people hop on these things. And unfortunately the majority of people lose money because they're not patient with money. And I think if we're just a little bit more patient and, you know, you put your money in investments and just, just let it, just let it do what it do and it will grow. Um, I think we'll really be kind of top tier at the financial thing going on. We know how to make it, but it's just a matter of being patient with our money, saving it as we should and um, just letting it do what it do and let it grow. Right. I love that. So what keeps you kind of grounded and not, you know, hopping on to the next hot trend when it comes to you know money or making money I think you have to do what works for you um there's nothing wrong with jumping onto opportunities but you have to do what works for you if you're a person that doesn't like to sit at a computer and try to day trade and look at stocks every minute and do like don't do it that's fine it's, you can invest into index funds you, there's so many other things you can invest to and make just as much money if anything um, so I think just kind of doing the things that I like to do and it makes me happy and my money is happy. I just stick with that. But I'm also open-minded with other things. Like I'll look into something. If it's something interesting, I would try it. If not, I would just move along. Right. Makes sense. So what's a recent money mistake you've made? Um, I would say, let's see. Um, my goodness, a recent money mistake I made. You're like, I, I don't have any. I'm perfect. <laughs> oh, no, I'm definitely not. I think I um, I bash credit a little too much. <laughs> I just hate owing. Like, the thought of owing is just like, ugh, like I'm the person that, like, if I can pay it off, I'm going to pay it off. But I'm, like, learning and trying to scale back that it's okay to owe um, as long as you're doing it on time and you're doing it responsibly. Um, like I was a late bloomer to the credit card life. I didn't get one until I was 21. <laughs> so, you know, that's just my thinking of hating to owe, but you know, I learned that obviously credit cards have perks to it. Um, there's the benefit of it if you're using it correctly. So I would say that's one money mistake that I kind of made was like using all my cash that I have now, um, instead of just kind of offsetting that to something else and paying it off later. Right. No, I totally get you. I'm also a late bloomer to credit cards. I got my first credit card when I was 26. Oh, because, wow. Yeah. Before then, I was so scared. Like my aunt would tell me like, never get a credit card. Don't get a credit card. Because right. I guess when she first came here, like she was just swiping like crazy and then like also using money the money to like help people back home it was just like a lot and so mm -hmm. I guess she got herself you know kind of into some trouble so I always heard her say that and then when I started on my debt-free journey I used to be like a huge Dave Ramsey like listener he's like a personal finance guy and yeah. he used to be like 
credit cards are like the devil, like don't use them. So I was like, oh no, I'm so scared to use them. But now, like you said, like you can use them to your advantage as long as you use it like responsibly, which I think is the hardest part about using credit card because you don't really feel the hit. You know what I mean? You just swipe and like you look at your bank account and nothing's changed. I think the important thing, you have to treat your credit card like a bill. Like don't look at it as like free money, which I think that's a mindset people have. Um, they see their credit limit and they're like, oh, I have this much to spend. But it's like, no, you have to view it as a bill. Wherever you're swiping, someone's going to take it away from you. So I think having that mindset kind of helped me to really be responsible how I use my credit card, when to use it, and just kind of avoid that harsh interest fees and things they tack on if you have late payments. Right, 100%. So before we were as we near the end of our conversation, I do just have like two more questions for you. Um, the first one being, so you document like your journey, like your personal finance stuff, like on Instagram, what made you want to create a, an account dedicated to personal finance? So personal finance has always been a hobby of mine. Not enough for me to go study finance in college because I am not good with numbers. Um, I'm not good with numbers. However, I do like to talk about money. So I just started a page, just kind of document things that I know, not necessarily to give advice, but kind of just show people um, what someone in my age and my generation is doing financially. Um, I think oftentimes we see um, people when they're doing well and that's motivating, but sometimes you kind of want to see how people are doing in your situation um, as someone that pays taxes or have a W-2 job or things like that. So that's why I kind of wanted to document um, the, the money mistakes I did, or what I do to invest, what I do to save, um, the things I do financially as a, um, that millennials or Gen X can see, Gen Z, Gen X. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's so many of them, but kind of like what young people can see financially just kind of relate to a lot of people. Um, so that's why I started the my financial page, Young Millennial Money. Yeah, love that. That's, you know, pretty similar to why I started my my page too. I was like, I'm tired of seeing everyone being so well. Like I'm going <laughs> to share my journey. I'm like, someone out there is going to relate. And if not, whatever, it's kind of therapeutic for me to just vent on there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so if you could leave a message for your future self, what would you say to her? Um, that's a good question. So I would say to my future self, um, I know it sounds cliche, but keep doing what you're doing and do what works for you. And I only say that as someone that used to look up to people and compare and compare and compare and always live in the future. But I would tell my future self, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing well, whatever you're thinking of, you will get it done. Don't worry. Don't stress. Um, you're on the right track. So basically. Ah, love that wise words. Um, so where can people find you, follow you, um, all that good stuff? So yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram on my page, Young Millennial Money. Um, I also have a podcast too, where I kind of just talk about topics that I feel like um, millennials, Gen Z and Gen X people can know. And I take topics from people that I also talk about um, I am going to start documenting like a whole housing series about the whole process and how it went down. So I'm going to get that done soon when I'm done moving. Um, but just stay tuned for that in um, anything. And I'm always accepting questions and topics from people that I also do.